Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Are You Fucking Shitting Me? I'm Rachel. And I'm April. And we're doing another Rando Facto. Yay! Woo! Everyone loves random facts. (laughs) I do love random facts. That's why we do this. Exactly. I know. All right. Who's going to go first? Rock, paper, scissors for it. All right. Here we go, everyone. Oh. Oh, two scissors. (laughs) For the listener, that was two scissors. Uh, April wins with rock. Oh, so what does that mean? I win you going go first, first or, or I, w- your I, I win to choose. Uh, I'll <laughs> go first. Why not? So uh, the week that we're taping this anyway, it's Shark Week or Shark Week just ended on Discovery. If anybody watches that, which is sort of ridiculous. And I think July 14th was Shark Day, according to the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And Woo, happy day, sharks. <laughs> exactly. Happy shark so, day. So my rando facto this episode is about sharks. One of the things that I wanted to talk about was the unprecedented number of great white sightings off the coast of California this year. The band? (laughs) They've been playing everywhere. (laughs) Better go out and get your tickets. Uh, Great white sharks. Oh, yeah. That's much worse. (laughs) Is it? Well, no, that is arguably much better. I stand corrected. There have been 40 sightings in Dana Point, which is just south of LA, that have been logged since May, probably by the time this airs, maybe a little bit more. Long Beach, which is also a little south of LA, has posted signs 11 times warning beachgoers about sharks. There have been a couple of attacks, which aren't so great. Uh, One was in San Onofre Beach. A woman got attacked and lost her leg. Um, And then there was a kayaker in Santa Cruz who had the front of his boat bitten off, and he was toppled in the water. But he's okay. He saw the shark swimming below him, was a little nervous, but the shark didn't seem to be interested in him once the boat was tipped over. So he was able to get back to shore safely. There have also been a ton of sightings in Ventura, Santa Barbara, Monterey Bay. So, Rachel, researchers think there might be some reasons why there's been an increase in great white sightings. Oh, I have a reason. Uh, The ocean is one big killing machine. That's the reason. (laughs) That's a good reason. That's a great reason. So besides the ocean being a giant killing machine, except I love the ocean. I do, too. (laughs) I do, too. So one of the reasons might be that protections for great whites has led to an increase in their populations. So... You know, that's a good thing. Yeah, they're good part job, of protectors. The, they're part of the ecosystem. <laughs> it's a it's a good thing. And also the uh, rising temperature of ocean waters means that they come in a little closer. Mm. Um, actually, in the Monterey Bay area, there have been tons of great white sightings because that area has been protected from fracking. And so that ecosystem has been allowed to thrive again. And so... Because of that, there's a huge new source of food supply. Of course. And so a lot of animals are coming in to eat what's there. And great whites, of course, are part of this. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 And then I read another thing that I think is kind of funny and maybe a little sad is that film crews 
are part of the reason that sharks are coming closer to humans. Because when film crews, there have been a proliferation of film crews that are shooting great whites for Shark Week and other documentaries, and they attract the sharks with food. And so now sharks are getting used to humans feeding them. And so they go in search of humans who have hopefully, food for them. So sharks are now like our new puppies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're just coming to say hi and say, hey, you have any bloody chum that I can you got some food? snack you got some off food? of you? <laughs> bloody chum. <laughs> or maybe you just have bloody chums. I don't know. It's my DJ name. <laughs> <laughs> Should be. So I also heard this interesting fact about sharks this week, which is the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I'm going to post this on our website, but they released a little documentary about this. In the early 2000s, they discovered what they're calling the Great White Shark Cafe. Don't just roll past that. (laughs) You can go there and get some coffee. Okay, is it run by great whites? (laughs) It's just for great whites. It's run by octopi. They can can work the espresso machines better. That's good. They're good at multitasking. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so um, (laughs) this is so the Great White Shark Cafe is in an area between California and Hawaii. And it's an area that sharks from both places go to every year. And they aren't exactly sure what they're doing there. They think that they're going there to feed and to mate. Um, Okay. So exactly what you do when you go to a cafe, right? Yeah. First thing I do is give me a muffin and now let's fuck. (laughs) Exactly. That's what a cafe is all about. They've actually come up with this camera that they can attach to the fin of a shark. And so they're still working on prototypes. But I think next summer they're going to be ready to release a real one of these cameras, put it on a shark, and it's programmed so that it'll turn on at certain specific times. So um, what they hope to do is catch the shark, I don't know, in action of ordering some coffee and asking chicks out for dates. Okay, so they've made a GoPro Yes. that is specifically created for food porn and porn porn of sharks. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So shark porn. (laughs) Yeah. GoPros. Exactly. I love science. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So do these guys. They're super excited. You can watch the little little clip about them talking about it. They're pretty funny also. (laughs) Great. I will watch that little clip. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so, you know, now we know where to stay away from in the ocean. Yeah, Uh, you know, just don't go anywhere near this goddamn Great White Shark Cafe. And I'm excited to know, you know, when they go so we can be safer swimming on our coast. Yeah, it would be good to know what time to avoid the middle of the ocean where I often find myself (laughs) accidentally. You never know. (laughs) It's true. I do never know anything. I do never know anything. It's good. It's good. You should never know everything or anything. Okay, and here is another wacky thing. Scientists uh, just discovered a new species of sharks. They are nothing like great whites. This one you will be not afraid of, I don't think. It's part of the lantern shark family. It is less than a foot long. So it's little. A little wee shark. And it weighs less than two pounds when full grown. I'm going to cuddle it. I'm going to be the big spoon. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But the best thing about it? It glows in the dark. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. The flanks 
on the bottom of their belly are uh, bioluminescent. Did scientists make this shark too? (laughs) It is one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. It looks like a dried sardine with buck teeth. (laughs) Damn, there's your teeth. You can eat an apple through a barbed wire fence. Everybody loves a shark that can eat an apple through a barbara piss. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, it was found a thousand feet below the Pacific Ocean off the northwestern Hawaiian Islands. It took more than 17 years to identify this shark because they had to classify it a certain way and they had to find out more information. And it's so rare because it's so deep that it took them a while to. I don't know, find another one or something. It, it just, glows in the dark. I know, but you got to get down there. <laughs> but then also like, I hope I don't see that ugly mug again. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. And it's really rare to find a new species of shark because there's only 450 known species. And scientists don't, they just don't discover new ones very often. And this one is particularly elusive because it's so deep and it's so small. So they think that they glow in the dark for mate recognition so that <laughs> so that the mates are sure that they're mating with the right species <laughs> and they don't get confused that they're screwing a- another bucktooth creature. <laughs> So they're not relying on personality is what you're telling me. <laughs> no, they're only relying on, yeah, they're only relying on glowiness. On f- blinding someone like, with lights. They're, they're like, you know, they're you like. You can't see me, I'm too light, right? <laughs> you know, they're just at a rave. They're at some kind of lantern mm. shark rave down there. Okay. Bumping into each other. Or the scientists think that it's either for mating or maybe they are trying to lure fish or shrimp so they can eat them. I want to eat some shrimp. Exactly. Okay, so here, here's another thing. Besides them glowing in the dark, this is super fascinating. Some of them have the ability to become invisible. Ah, I love these guys. They're Ex- ugly and glowy in the dark. And they can turn invisible? Exactly. So what... <laughs> wow. So they can use their light-emitting capabilities to create this optical illusion that makes them blend in with their surroundings so that when they're seen from below... They look invisible. (laughs) Aliens. These guns are aliens. Exactly. So. Oh, bucktooth aliens. Yep. So that's my shark news. That's good news. Yeah. I mean, it's disturbing news, but also fun news. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Just don't go out to the shark cafe, no matter how much coffee or porn you want. (sighs) Well, I'll just have to go down to Starbucks. Where you can get no coffee and no porn. Yeah. All right, so what do you have for me, Rachel? I have the long... (laughs) I have the longest song in the history of the world. And until this article, I was convinced that was the Eagles Hotel California, because that goes on forever. But it's not. Oh, I would have thought that the longest song in the world was Bohemian Rhapsody. But that's a delight, so it goes in such a quick, quick moment. True. Uh, but I like Hotel California, too. Sorry. We're breaking up. Yeah, well. <laughs> I grew up in California. Come on. Yeah. So this one doesn't have lyrics, thank God. 
but it is going to last 639 years. Who's playing it for 639 years? What is this song? Okay, so we'll start from the beginning. That's Willow. (laughs) (laughs) She's singing the song. Willow is our dog. (laughs) (laughs) Not surprisingly, the song is called As Slow As Possible. And it's written by John Cage. And the last note change was in 2008. So it's taking a long time to play the entire thing. And they have a machine that's called the blower that pipes into this organ because it's in the former St. Burchard Church in Halberstadt, Germany. So it's... Of course it's in Germany. Of course it is. It's scheduled to stop and to conclude the piece in 2640. 2640? Yeah, 2640. It started in 2001 so that's going to give us 639 years to complete it and the notes change on the fifth of the month but the last note changed in 2008 where a thousand visitors showed up for that note change because people are big fans of john cage apparently he's got some some super fans Mm -hmm. and the next note change is scheduled in 2012 so until then it's just this low hum that is going on in this organ and it's provided by a blower that blows into the pipes as it's doing it because obviously someone can't sit there and hold that note for that long. That's amazing. And very different than John Cage's other piece, which I think had no notes at all. Yeah, 433. You want to do a version of that? Let's just do a mini version. Okay. I'll go sit at the piano and here we go. Great. That was good. Yeah. It sounded just like his. It sounds just like it. (laughs) I've been practicing that for a long time. Oh, well, good job. Yeah. uh, 433, for those of you who don't know, is a piece that is not about silence per se, but it's a four minute and 33 second conceptual music piece where a pianist will sit at a piano and the recording is actually the sounds that happen in the audience. It's weird. There's a YouTube video of it, of just those sounds. And then at 4.33, everybody cheers. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, John Cage was really interesting because he was not only a musical artist, he was also a visual artist. He created a piece honoring Marcel Duchamp that was kind of this layered piece of lucite with letters and things mm. in it. And it's really interesting because... If you look at it from different angles, you see different things in it. Marcel Duchamp was one of my favorite artists when I was studying art history. I loved what he did. Yeah, he he was famous for doing uh, that piece, uh, The Urinal. Yeah, Armut, 1913. I don't know how much you know about that, but I love the story of how it was submitted to an art contest. He was one of the judges for that art contest, and nobody wanted it in there, but he like fought really hard to put it in, and it was submitted anonymously, and then they hit it like they hated it (laughs) so much i was loving john cage's sonata with the prepared piano where he'd put like screws and stuff in there and then you'd play and it would sound weird it's not a tune you hum along with but it is really interesting and this long piece is clearly another one of his conceptual pieces so i'm going to read you what he says about his mother and father because I think it describes his, as from what I know, as a new person to John Cage, it seems to describe what I'm learning about him, um, how he became who he is. 
My father was an inventor. He was able to find solutions for problems of various kinds in the fields of electrical engineering, medicine, submarine travel, seeing through fog, and travel in space without the use of fuel. He told me that if someone says can't, that shows you what to do. He also told me that my mother was always right, even when she was wrong. My mother had a sense of society. She was never happy. When after dad's death, I said, why don't you visit the family in Los Angeles? You'll have a good time. She replied, now, John, you know perfectly well, I have never enjoyed having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) So I love his mom. I actually learned about John Cage, but I didn't follow up on him. This movie documentary called the Tony Conrad movie completely in the present and it's a documentary by Tyler Hubby it's really great and he was hugely influenced by John Cage Tony Conrad was in a band where the whole point was to not compose anything so all the music was just long and noisy and it's basically the origin of minimalist music but people didn't even know about it because one of the original founders held on to all the tapes. One of the other people in that band ended up being in the Velvet Underground. So it's kind of like, and he... So it was during that time. During it was during that 50s time. 50s and 60s Yeah, and he's, the documentary is great. And he's a true genius that walks his own kind of life. Like he has, he's a professor and his, one of his classes is teaching people how to do nothing. So he's a visual artist. Where does he teach that? (laughs) I know, right? And he's a visual artist. I can't remember where he teaches it. But he's a visual artist, musician, and everything as well. And he's still out performing and kind of getting a second wind of popularity because people are now understanding how influential he was in minimalist music as well as visual art. But back to John Cage. That's cool. I had no idea that he had broken so many rules and done so much stuff. He's a fascinating character. So if you guys are interested in... As long as possible, you can sponsor a note for a year. It'll only cost you a donation of a thousand euro or more. And you could choose any year between 2,640 and now, unless it's already taken. So, or maybe they'll take more than one donation for a year. So, you know, choose your favorite year and donate a thousand euro to this extremely long piece that you'll never hear the end of. Great. (laughs) So, that's my fact. It's just a. I find it interesting that someone I would loved, create that. Yeah, I love John Cage. Maybe we could put the shark GoPro on the organ and capture anything that happens funny on the organ. Let's just record that and watch some shark porn on the organ. Let's take the organ to the Great White Cafe. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So it's official. Hotel California is not the longest song. Neither is Bohemian Rhapsody. Because John Cage is a special case, I wanted to find out the longest songs in classic rock. And Bohemian Rhapsody is on there. Freebird, Stairway. The shortest of the most epic classic rock songs is 9 minutes and 58 seconds. And then the longest of the classic rock songs is 43.50. So what's what? Okay, so starting with Grand Funk Railroad, I'm your captain. You're coming in at 9 minutes and 58 seconds. That heads into Deep Purple, Child in Time. That's popping up to 10-minute mark. Uh, let's see. King Crimson, Starless is at 12.16. Iron Butterfly, Inagata Davida is 17 minutes and 5 seconds. Wow. That reminds me, growing up, my friend Chrissy, uh, her dad used to come in singing that and to like slide into the room singing it, I got a Velvet Underground, of course, is on the list. 
some Rush. Ugh, I couldn't listen to 20 minutes of Rush. What? I know. Don't at me, people. I don't need what? your hate mail. What song of Rush's is 20 minutes? 2112, 2112. I don't know Rush. I don't know how to say their songs. Sorry. Uh, yes. I just know Tom Sawyer, which I That's actually, I which I actually like. So. I actually, I like the music. It's the voice that I have a hard time with. I'll admit, but I like Tom Sawyer. Pink Floyd, Shine on You, Crazy Diamond, twenty six minutes and one second, and worth every minute. One of the best songs. So good in the world. So good. The longest of the classic rock is Jethro Tull, Thick as a Brick. Wow. Somehow I didn't think it was going to be Jethro Tull. No, I would have thought there would be a Floyd or I something. I would have thought it would be Pink Floyd. Yeah. Well, I like that. Yeah. Now so I now I want to go listen to some classic rock. All right, let's go listen to some classic rock. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Yeah, we love that you stop in for our Rando Facto episodes. And if you know any more information about sharks or John Cage, or you have your own favorite classic rock song that you think lasts too long, uh, let us know on our Facebook page. Or email us. If anybody wants to sing the 43 minutes of Jethro Toll, go ahead and send that in to us. Oh, yeah. We will post that shit. Videotape yourself singing one of those songs, and we will post that. Oh, it'll go right up on that website so quick you can't even imagine. Well, we'll see you next week. Thanks again for uh, listening to us and for reviewing us on iTunes and just for being our friends. Yeah, you guys are all right. Let's go to the Shark Cafe. Ooh, I'll meet you there. Bye.